Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let me rewind that and read that again. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. In the Amplified Bible, I like how the Amplified Bible describes that verse. It says this, it says this Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and that sin that so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. This is a call to evaluate everything in our lives as believers that does not help us run the race. You see, there, there are, there are, in the life of every believer, there are things that keep us from doing our best for the Lord. The writer of Hebrews is talking about a single-minded focus on following Jesus. And he talks about two things that will sabotage your race uh, that must be identified and confessed and discarded and abandoned and they're called weights, and they're called sins. Now, now, sin, the Scriptures describe, sin can be best described as, as you're shooting at a target and you miss the bullseye. That's what sin is. The bullseye is God's perfect best for you and God's will for you. And you shoot at that target, and instead of hitting the bullseye, you hit the wall or you hit the ceiling uh, you miss the target. That's literally what sin is. Uh, it says this, the sin that, so, that doth so easily uh, beset us. I looked at some other translations and how, how other translations describe this. It says, again, uh, the sin that so easily entangles, sin which clings so closely. Uh, one translation says, throw off the parasitic sins. Uh, and again, the amplify the sin that so readily Deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. Uh, going back to the to the video of this this race, the guy was did a video of the race, and he, he was he was he was showing the he wanted the runners that were training to know what the path was like and what the trail was like, and he said, "Okay, now here in Houston, you have to be careful because there there are roots and the rocks in the path, and if you're not careful for the roots and the rocks, if you're not paying attention, uh, you can trip. They'll trip you up." And you'll fall, and you get bloodied, and you may get the idea that you just don't want to continue. That's what sins and weights in the path will do. Weights, again, sins are missing the mark of what God has for you. Weights are not necessarily sins. Um, uh, weights are, um, are distractions in the race. Things that aren't necessarily a sin... But they'll weigh you down and can keep you from moving forward in your relationship with Christ. And you may say, well, how do I know the difference in a weight and a sin? And what might be a weight, a, a weight in, 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 my, um, in my race with Christ? You know, runners, they'll run with ankle weights. Uh, but when you run in the race, you take that, that's to train to build up your legs. But as you're running the race, you take those things off so that you can run without any kind of impediment. You may say, well, what, what's a weight? Uh, in my life. Again, it's a distraction. Uh, weights are things that kind of fall into the it depends 
category. Uh, they're not sinful in and of themselves, but, but, but at a particular point, uh, if, if allowed to kind of run on, they can impede your spiritual growth and your life with Christ. Um, you know, watching TV is, is, is not a sin. Um, playing sports or being involved in sports is not, is not a sin. Um, some may disagree with this, but playing video games is not a sin. Uh, looking at a screen, whether it's your phone or your computer, that's not a sin. Going shopping is not. Going fishing ain't a sin. I expect to get an amen out of that one. But there is a point when all of those things can stop being a harmless pastime and become an impediment in your walk with Christ. Taking your eyes off of Jesus. And that weight can become an idol in your life. And you're watching that instead of watching Jesus. And it becomes like those roots and rocks in the trail. But if you're not careful, it'll trip you up. And what do we do with those weights and those sins? We identify them, we confess, we repent, and we get our eyes back on Jesus. I'm going to tell you a preacher joke. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I thought it was funny. And I'm just going to tell you the joke. I'm going to read it to you because I'm not real good about telling jokes. It goes like this. A man, a man in a church was continually rededicating his life to Christ after worship service and he always prayed the same prayer lord take the cobwebs out of my life oh lord please take the cobwebs out of my life he'd come forward after every service and that would be his prayer and people would hear him say that and his pastor had heard this prayer more times than he cared to mention and he got tired of hearing it so so one sunday the man came forward and he said the same prayer oh lord please Take the cobwebs out of my life. And the preacher, he stopped me and he said in a loud voice, he says, Lord, don't take the cobwebs out. Kill the dadgum spider. And, 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 and I think that's sometimes what we need to do in our lives. We allow things to creep in and they cobweb us up and they tangle us up and they impede our race. So here's the prayer that we need to pray if we have sin and weights in our life, and I suspect, friends, we can all say that we do in some shape, form, or fashion. The prayer is this, Lord, Lord, the Word says for me to throw off everything that keeps me from running the race, that's holding on to me so tightly. That's what your Word says. Will you please, this is the prayer, will you please show me what in my life is a sin and what is a weight? What is, what, what is wrong and what is a distraction from keeping me focused on you? You pray that prayer? I think he'll answer it because God wants you to know because he wants you to finish your race and to finish it well. So faith that finishes reflects on what God's done in the past, forsakes all that interferes, and faith that finishes focuses on Jesus. I was teaching my son how to hit a baseball. Uh, the, the, what, what, is the, what is the main thing you got to tell a kid when they're trying to teach them how to hit a baseball, what's the main thing? You keep your eye on the ball. That's right. You keep your eye on the ball. And you know what? The same thing is true when we're following Jesus. 
the author says, the author says, looking unto Jesus. So here's what we don't do. Here's what we do. We look to Jesus. Here's what we don't do. We don't fix our eyes on those in the past that have helped us. Now, we reflect on them, but we don't fix our eyes on them. We don't fix our eyes on our weights and sins. We don't fix our eyes on, on our failings and when we've messed up, because we all messed up in some shape, form, or fashion. Here's what we don't do. We don't fix our eyes on the race course. We don't fix our eyes on the other runners. We have to look away from the so-called treasures that we come across on the race course. Anything, any person that keeps our attention away from Jesus, that gets in the way of the race, we, we, we do not focus on that. But here's what we do do. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We look only to him and to Jesus alone. Fixing our eyes on Jesus means that we intentionally, we purposefully turn our eyes away from everything else and purposefully and intentionally turn our eyes to Jesus, nobody else. Why should we fix our eyes on Jesus? Why not fix our eyes on somebody else, on the preacher or the deacons? Well, the verse answers the question. It says this, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. One, one translation puts it this way, he is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. It says this in John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, in the Word was life, and the Word's life was the light of mankind. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the beginning and end of the faith. Revelation, John chapter, 1, John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was life, and the life of the Word is the light of mankind. In the last chapter, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20 says this, He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. <clears throat> our faith starts with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. That's why we fix our eyes on Him, and not on the preacher, and not on anywhere else. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And it says, For the joy set before Him, See, Jesus knew where he was going in his life. In John chapter 17, he says this. He's praying to the Father, and he says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy full in themselves. <clears throat> Jesus knew he was going to the Father, and it gave him joy. That's why we keep our eyes on Jesus. And it says, Jesus endured the cross. Why do you, should you focus on Jesus? Because he's the one who endured the cross. The crucifixion was reserved for the most despised criminals. Possibly the cruelest way to execute a person. That's what Jesus did. It says he endured the cross, which means to persevere. He could have gotten down off that cross. He didn't have to stay there. It would have been the easy thing to do, but he didn't. He stayed there. He stayed there for you, and he stayed there for me. Until he said, it is finished. They laughed at him, <clears throat> they mocked him, they made fun of him, but he stayed there for you and for me. And that's why we look to Jesus. And then it says he sat down at the right hand of God. 
Mark chapter 16 says this. He says, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received in the heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached the good news everywhere. Why should we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because he's at the right hand of God right now. And Revelation chapter 5 says this. This is, this is the image of heaven right now. This is what's going on in heaven. It says in Revelation chapter 5, beginning verse 11, it says this. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads upon myriads and thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing that is in heaven and the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them are heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever. That's why we look to Jesus. He did it all for us. He didn't get tangled up in sin and distractions. He ran the race the Father had before him and he didn't quit. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. And not on ourselves. We fix our eyes on Jesus and not on others. We fix our eyes on Jesus and not on our troubles. Remember, this, remember Peter walking on that sea, walking on that storm? How did it go with him when he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the wind and the waves and all the foam and all the mess around him? What happened to Peter? He started to go down. That's exactly right. That's why we keep our eyes on Jesus and are not on our troubles. We look, fix our eyes on Jesus and not on the house and not on material things. We fix our eyes on Jesus and not on our sins. We fix our eyes on Jesus and not on the church. We fix our eyes on Jesus and not on the preacher. We fix our eyes on Jesus and not on this member or that member. We fix our eyes forward to Jesus and not to the past. We don't look to Jesus once in a while, not once or twice in a week. We fix our eyes from, on Jesus. We turn away from sin, things that would hold us back. We look to Jesus, who is our only hope. <clears throat> Friends, faith that finishes reflects on what God's done in the past, forsakes all that interferes, but faith that finishes focuses and fixes its eyes on Jesus. You may ask the question, well, how, brother, how do I do that? And I will tell you in my own personal walk, the, the, the single greatest tool that I know of, of fixing your eyes on Jesus, is daily reading the Word of God. Now, when I say daily reading the Word of God, I realize that you may miss a day. But you know what? We're not too far into the new year that you can't start, a, 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 if you don't already have it, the goal of reading through the Bible this year. And you know what? If it takes you more than a year, that's okay. You know, uh, you know the, here's, what, here's what happens, and it's happened with me sometimes. You start reading the Bible, and you got the plan to read through the year, one of those New Year's resolutions. And you, uh, and, and you miss a day, you miss a couple of days, you miss a week, and you think, well, I messed up, and so I'm just going to quit. That's devil talk. You know, the devil don't want you to read through the, through the Word of God, because that puts, his, that puts your eyes on Jesus. It's so much easier for him to put your eyes on the distractions and not on Jesus if you're not in the Word. I'll tell you what, what I have done. Uh, I've got on my phone, i got a little app. It's called the Bible. <laughs> Pretty easy. Uh, and it's got Bible reading plans. For the past few years, I've read the Bible through chronologically. And it's a pretty, pretty cool deal. Because uh, you know, the way the Bible is in, in, in this Bible, it's not, 
the books are in, in order, but they're not in chronological order. Uh, and so what the chronological Bible does, it'll start in Genesis, and it'll go through Leviticus and, 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 and all of that. And, and, and when it gets to uh, the story, usually about the stories of David, uh, it'll, it'll cut back from the story of David. It'll, it'll take you to the book of Psalms, and you can read what David was thinking and praying about and writing about in the Psalms as he was going through that particular thing. Then it'll cut back to the story, and, and it's really, really interesting. It puts everything together in chronological order. I've done that for several, several years, and it's been a tremendous blessing for me. And, and I may miss a day, but I'll catch up in some, some way. Right now what I'm doing, I'm reading through the New Testament uh, in 90 days. And the system is, is that you read two chapters of the Gospels and one chapter of the Epistles every day, the Epistles starting with the book of Acts. And the idea is in 90 days... When you get to the last chapter of the Gospels, which is John 21, you're reading Revelation chapter 22. And so in 90 days or so, the Lord willing, uh, by the time Easter hits, I will have read, read through uh, the New Testament. It's not, not rocket science. And, and you can say, well, I, I can't read that much. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll put, I've got it on my phone. I'll put it on audio. I'll listen to it. And that helps me because I can hear it. Sometimes when I, when I read and when I hear, I'll catch different things. And the whole idea is not to achieve. I like what Brother Hosey Blue says. It's not about achieving but receiving. Uh, and, and so what I'll do is I'll try to find, as I'm listening to it or reading through, I'll, if there's a verse that kind of stands out to me, I'll mark that and, and meditate upon that during the day, or a word, or an idea, I'll mark that, and I'll kind of think about that, and I got a whole list of verses that the Lord has kind of used to speak to me, I go back through and look at those, and I think, well, that, that, that's interesting how the Lord is speaking to me, and sometimes, especially when you get through, a lot of times what happens when people start reading through the Bible, they get through Exodus and Leviticus, and they get in the, the tall weeds of the laws, and, uh, and, and they just kind of, they just kind of, I don't know, kind of lose, lose enthusiasm, to, and I, I say, just keep plowing through. And if you've got questions, and I have questions about some of the things that they were doing, write those questions down. Because a lot of times, we were in the book of Hebrews this morning. In the book of Hebrews, it'll explain what was going on in, in Exodus and in, in Leviticus. So keep pushing through that. But I do believe, again, just as a long answer to the question, how, what's the best way to keep your eyes on Jesus this year is daily Bible reading. And I know devotional books, that's fine. We have a little Bible verse and then about five or six paragraphs of somebody talking about that or telling a story. That's fine. My personal preference is the book. Uh, that's my personal preference. Uh, and I believe the, what seminary professor told me once in preaching class, the best commentary on the book is the book. And just see what the book says and let the book speak. Uh, so I would encourage you uh, to do that. Faith that finishes reflects on what God's done in the past. God, you were with me here. You were with me here. I trust you to be with me there. Faith that finishes forsakes the weights, the distractions, the sins. And if you need help figuring out what those things are, all you got to do is say, Lord, show me what those things are. And I'll follow you. Faith that finishes focuses on Jesus. And I guess the last point is this, and it goes to the endurance. It says, run with endurance the race that's before you, faith that finishes, finishes. And again, going back to the idea of this year, I want to encourage you as an individual believer in Christ, as a, as, as a church, 
And, and you maybe haven't, some churches will have a, a Bible reading program. If, you, if you're not part of that, I want to encourage you this year to, to engage in a, in, a, in a system of Bible reading because that's the best way to keep your eye on Jesus. Some people say, well, I pray every day. That's good. Are you reading the Bible? No, I'm not reading the Bible. Your prayers need to be informed by the Word. And as you read the Word, it will lead you to pray what you need to pray. I believe that God wants you to finish your race well. And it is a marathon. And you won't get to the finish line by sprinting. But again, friends, it says, for the joy set before him, Jesus crossed his finish line. And again, the image that I've got is we're in this race and Jesus is at the finish line and he sees everything that you do. And you can guarantee the enemy does not want you to reflect on what God's done in the past. The enemy does not want you to forsake all that interferes. The enemy does not want you to focus on Jesus. And the enemy does not want you to cross that finish line. But Jesus is there and he's saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Look to me. Watch me. Not them. Not that. Watch me. Keep your eyes on me. That's what Jesus would tell you today, my dear friends. Look to Jesus. He finished his race. He sees you in your race, and he offers you his strength. He'll help you. He'll guide you. He'll see you through. And you know what, friend? If you fall in this race, and you will stumble, and you will trip, and you may get bloodied, but Jesus is going to be right there, and he will pick you up, and dear friend, he'll carry you across that finish line. Just keep your eyes Closely fixed on Jesus. Faith that finishes, faith that doesn't quit, looks to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to tell Jesus what you need to tell him. And there's nobody here today that doesn't need to tell Jesus something. Maybe what you need to tell them is thank you for being with me then and now. Be with me there. Maybe what you need to tell Jesus is Jesus, forgive me. I run through the inventory of things that I'm involved in and where I've got my focus. I've got my focus on this thing and that thing, but my focus is not primarily on you. Forgive me for that. Show me what the weights and the distractions and the sins are in my life. Give me the grace to leave those behind with your power. Forgive me for not just focusing on you. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, help me. I, I feel the race. And I feel, I feel the struggle. Maybe someone's here today and you stumbled. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but you do. And he does, for sure. Lord, help me. Pick me up. Give me your strength. Because I want to cross that line. Because I know that's what you've given me to do in my life. So I don't know what your prayer is. Thank you. Forgive me. Help me. It may be something else. 
You may be here today or watching online and, and seeing who this Jesus is and what he's done for us. You may realize, you know, I've heard about Jesus and I, I, I believe Jesus existed, but I don't have that kind of personal that I know he's going to be there with me. And you need that. We all need that. And you need that. And you want to come to Jesus today and you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my pioneer. I want you to be my leader. I want, to, I want to follow you. And your prayer is simply this, Lord Jesus, I've messed up. And that's not news to you. But I know you died on the cross to clean me and to give me a new life. And I want that. I want to belong to you. I turn, I turn from those things and I just want to follow you. And maybe that's your prayer. You need to pray that today. So we've all got something to pray. I don't know what you've got to pray, but let's pray. Join us, we do. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for this word that comes to us from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, that talks about the race that we're in. Thank you for those that you have sent in our lives to teach us about you and to lead us and guide us. Those in this church, our pastor, Pastor Josh. Other pastors, perhaps, that have been a blessing to us in other places and other Sunday school teachers. As I've shared testimony today, Brother David Hall, thank you for him. Pastor Ralph Cannon, Lord, and others that have been influential in our lives, thank you for what you have done by showing us that you've been with us. Thank you for being with me where I'm at. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for the weights and the sin, missing the mark, not achieving what you want for me, and if I'm honest with you, there are a lot of things that I need to confess. Distractions in my life that keep me from being wholehearted in my following you. Show me what those things are. I confess that I need you to show me and I ask, Father, that you help me to repent and leave those things. And I ask you to help me this week. This week, Lord, we talked about reading the Bible uh, as a planned program. Lord, there may be someone here today who says, you know what, I really need, I need that. Lord, guide them in that and give them encouragement in that. Maybe someone else today, Father, who just says, Lord, I need you to help me in my particular circumstance. Lord, be with them, I pray today. May they feel your presence in a powerful, powerful way. If there's someone listening that needs to give their life to Jesus today. May today be for them the day of salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.